Let's take our Bibles and we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, for, for sake of time, I'm not going to go back and review the first two points. Because for, if this is your first time here in the last few weeks... I've been preaching this message for three weeks. This is the third week. And uh, the first, uh, each, each point of the outline has become a, a message in itself. And so we have those, those messages posted on the, on the podcast. And you can, uh, they're uploaded to the podcast. You can, uh, uh, you can listen to those during the week. If you have questions about how to, how to find those, uh, come see me and I can, I can help you with that. Um, but uh, as we read the scriptures, we see that, uh, we see that, the, that, Christians are supposed to live a life that's demonstrating the life of Christ. We're reflecting Christ in our lives. The Bible says we're to only let our conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, not, uh, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from Uh, the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And so the the way that the other Gentiles walked, those who were uh, those who were not believers, and they they had not even been taught the law of God, and had been had not been uh, taught the scriptures. Those Gentiles walked uh, blindly, seeking after uh, it says lasciviousness, and they were seeking after things to, that pleased themselves, that brought pleasure to themselves. And, and when they'd find something that they, that they enjoyed, it was only temporal. It was just a very temporary uh, pleasure. And then they're still seeking for something else and something else and something else. And, and he, says, he says, but ye have not so learned Christ. Christ satisfies. Christ is enough. And he's there to meet our needs. And as we, as we grow in that, as we put our trust in Him, and as we're born into the family of God, and as we grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. A while back, there was a, there was a, a poll taken on some of the major college campuses, and, uh, and the question was asked, what, what are your... What are the, the main things that you're looking for in life? What do you, what do you hope to, to uh, achieve by, uh, by, reaching the, by acquiring your, your degrees and all of this? And pe- people said, well, the, the top three things that I want in my life is, uh, is I want to find true love. I want peace of mind. And I want to be happy. And... and it's interesting, uh, these three things, uh, they, they, want, they want to find true love, they want to be happy, and they want to have peace of mind. These things are the first three things mentioned, they're the first three fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The second one is joy. As, as Mrs. Hall said a few minutes ago, uh, happiness, uh, true happiness or, or joy comes from within. When you have the Spirit of God in you and He's indwelling you and, and you're submitting to Him, He produces joy. Joy comes through obedience to the Spirit of God. 
There's uh, love, joy, and then peace. And this is not just everything in your life is going to be peaceful, but, it's, but it is that there is peace in your heart and life, peace that passes understanding, even if you're in the midst of a storm. I heard a preacher say one time that sometimes Jesus speaks peace to your storm, but sometimes he speaks peace to you in your storm. And how true that is. And as we, as we look at this, we see, uh, we saw the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's uh, the, the Christian home. Uh, Christ is reflected in our relationships and, uh, and, and he's reflected in our routines. But today, today I want to pick up, from, I want to pick up there and, and look at the fact that Christ is reflected in our responses. How we respond. How do we respond in, a, in, in our everyday situations? When things come along, things that take us by surprise, things that, uh, things that we, d- we weren't expecting, uh, problems, pressures, uh, maybe finances, maybe health, maybe, uh, maybe a relationship uh, struggle. How do we respond in those times? The Bible teaches us that, uh, teaches us here in, uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, he said, you've not so learned Christ as far as walking in the vanity of your mind and, and following after those things. He said, he, he goes on and he, sh- he shows us in the next few verses that what Christ has come to help us with is he's come to produce in us, first of all, a transformed life. A transformed life. Something that's a life that is going to, going to have different responses than it, was, than it had before. It's going to react differently. It's going to respond differently in those situations. And because it's all under the, under the, the leadership and the control of the, of, of the Spirit of God, uh, we have a transformed life. Secondly, there's a disciplined life. I'm not just flying off the handle, but my life is under control. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Temperance, another word for that is self-control. Self-control. It's when we're, when we're disciplining ourselves to do right. And it's interesting the way that God produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. One of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering. Another word for that is patience. The Bible tells us tribulation worketh patience. Now we would think that, that it wouldn't happen that way. You know, God would give us patience because we're going to go through the tribulation. But maybe, maybe it's the tribulation that God uses. Well, not maybe. It is the tribulation that God uses, those difficult times in our life that God uses to help us grow in patience. He gives us an opportunity to be patient. Sometimes we want God to just make us be loving but he but he gives us he gives us his love and he helps us to grow in our love one toward another temperance you know we could we could take we could take a a, a a glass, you know, maybe, maybe take a glass down from your from your cupboard at home and and set it up and and don't don't try th- don't try this because you you won't like the results. But if you set a glass up there and took a rock and threw it and hit that glass, it's probably going to shatter, isn't it? 
Now, kids, don't do that to your mom's glasses. You know, she won't appreciate it. But, but it's going to shatter. But if you took a rock and threw it and, it and it hit a windshield, it might break, but it might not. Have you ever been riding down the road and a rock flies up from the car in front of you and it hits your windshield and you're like, ah! And, and then you look and, hey, it didn't even, didn't even put a little scratch in it. You know why? You know why it didn't break it? Because that glass has been tempered. It's been tempered. Do you know what process they use to temper glass? It's been strengthened to withstand those, those uh, objects that may, may strike it. It's been strengthened. You know how? By heat. It's been put in heat to strengthen it. And God allows us to go through times of, of, of pressure and times of, of rather heated situations in our life to strengthen us and to help us to be tempered. He gives us that opportunity to be strengthened so, we are, so, so it helps us to realize, hey, this is what's going to go on and this is how I need to react instead of how I used to react. It's a disciplined life. And then he, he, shows us, uh, he shows us that all of this is possible when we have a surrendered life. A life that's submitted to Jesus Christ. When we say, God, I, I can't face these difficulties on my own. I need your help. I, I can't do all of this in my own strength. So I submit myself to you. I surrender to you. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, your way's best anyway. So I just want to follow you. So how do we, how do we reflect Christ in our responses? How is Christ reflected in our responses? How do we manifest this transformed life, a disciplined life, and a surrendered life to live, uh, to live our lives, to, to uh, work together with the rest of our family to produce a Christian home? The Bible shows us, first of all, it, it's, it's reflected in our responses when our response is diligence versus complacency. Diligence versus complacency. He says in, in Ephesians 4.28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. We're to be diligent in our labor. The Bible tells us, encourages us to be diligent and rather than to be complacent and lazy and, and laying around. Hey, it's, it, there was a time in my life I, as I was growing up, my, my mom and dad always had chores for us to do and things where we were involved in the, in the working of the house and everything. But I reached a certain age and my dad said, boy, it's time for you to get a job. And my dad trained me to be diligent and to be a, to be a hard worker and to be faithful. And, and those, sometimes those things are missing in our homes. If you're, going to be a Christ, a, a, if you're going to have a Christian home, we need to be teaching not just, not just our, ourselves, but teaching our children to be diligent rather than complacent. Notice he says, let him that stole steal no more. Many times, many times we, uh, we sit back and, and want to reap the blessings of other men's labors. And sometimes God does allow that to happen. But when we ourselves are supposed to be working, when we're supposed to be contributing, and we're not, we're stealing. 
We are robbing others. We are stealing from others. The Bible says when Christ is in control that, that he's going to produce a transformed life and, and it's going to help us to be diligent rather than complacent. He says, look, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good. The Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 11, I believe it is, he says that you study to be quiet and to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we've commanded you. Moms and dads, that's some pretty good instruction for our kids, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Study to be quiet. Sometimes our kids need to study to be quiet. They need, to, they need to figure out a way to just close their mouth, just zip that lip, lock it, and throw the key away, right? Amen? Study to be quiet and to, to do your own business. Mind your own business. Hey, kids, teenagers, young adults, if you'd let mom and dad be mom and dad, if you'd let them be the parent rather than you be the parent, you probably have a lot more peace in your relationship with your siblings. Do your own business. Mind your own business. Make sure, make sure your bed is made. Your stuff is cleaned up in your room. Make sure your chores are done. Make sure you're doing right and let mom and dad deal with, this, with the siblings. Amen? Work with your own hands as they've commanded you. Yes, Mom and dad have the right and the responsibility to command you, and you have the responsibility to submit and obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How long does that last? Well, when you study the Bible, you are to be under their authority until you're married. So until you're married, dad gets to tell you what to do. And you get to obey him. And his first time... Every time, all the time, with a good attitude, or it's disobedience. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That means if you're disobedient, you're liable to be, your, your life is liable to be cut short. Hey, I wouldn't push it. I want to obey. I, I, I endeavor to honor my, my father and mother even though I am married and out on my own. I'm no longer in a, in a, it's no longer my responsibility to obey them because I, I have my own home now. But I still am required by God to honor them. They're no longer in a position of authority over me, but they are in a position of advisor to me. And I listen to their advice and I heed their advice and I honor my father and mother. I try to. And it would do every one of us well to take heed to that. I'm kind of getting away from diligence versus complacency. Well, be diligent to obey and to honor. Amen. Then generosity versus greediness. These are responses 
Whenever, whenever somebody is blessed with, with something uh, and maybe, maybe, they got, uh, maybe they got a raise at work or maybe they got a new car or maybe they got a new uh, microwave or a new TV set or, or maybe she got a new ring or something like that uh, or a new dress or whatever it is. They got a new game system. Uh, the, the Bible tells us don't be greedy, don't be envious and don't be jealous of those, th- those things. Rejoice with them that rejoice. He says here in Ephesians chapter 4, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. Notice what it says here, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Many times we are so strapped financially because we have been greedy. We have extended ourselves. We have overextended ourselves. Uh, we've uh, we've gone into debt here and there, and this and that, and we've we've maxed out all our all of our credit cards. So we are financially just strapped, and we are in debt. We are servants to that debt. The Bible says the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. Why why have we gotten ourselves in that situation? I know there are some sometimes when when things happen, maybe it's medical bills or something like that that just piles up and you get under that debt. Those are outside of your control. But you didn't have to buy all that stuff at Black Friday sales, did you? Amen. And and many and many times we we overextend ourselves and get ourselves so strapped financially that because of our greed. We want more and more and more and more and more stuff. When the Bible tells us to be content with the things that we have. The Bible says having food and raiment, be content. That's something to eat and clothes to wear. That's not even talking about having a roof over our head. So if you have, if you have anything more than food and clothes, praise God. You are blessed. Amen? But what happens when we, when we overextend ourselves because of our greed? We don't have to give to him that needeth. So we, have, we see a, a brother or sister in the church that's going through a difficult time. Maybe they, had, maybe they have a, a pile of medical bills on them. And they're under that pressure, under that burden... Like, man, I sure would love to give to help them, but I can't because I'm in debt. See, financial freedom is not freedom to buy things, to have more things. Financial freedom is freedom to give. I want to I want to be free from debt because I want to have to give to him that needeth. I want whenever we have a missionary to come through here and, and share about the work that God has them has them doing, whether it's whether it's planting a church uh, here in the states or going to a foreign country to reach people with the gospel, and they have a need, and we want to be a help to the, to them. Uh, we want to be able to say here and, and give them money to help them. We don't want to be, be one of those that, you know, we, we have to say, well, I just don't, I just can't do anything. Now, here's the thing. We often do what we want to do. We, buy, we have enough money for what we want, typically, don't we? 
If we, want to, if, we want to, if we want to go out to eat, we have money for it. Usually, we do. Because of our priorities. But we might need to ask God to help us with our priorities. To help us to be generous rather than greedy. We want to, we want to have to give to Him that needeth. We want to be able to, to be generous in our, in our giving. You know, the Bible tells us that, the Bible tells us that if, if we're, when it comes to our finances, and I don't, I don't often preach on, preach on money, but I, and I, but I, I want to I mention this right here, and, and I'm going to move on. When you, when you receive your income, the Bible tells us the Bible tells us that 10% of that, just 10%, right off the top, belongs to God. If you don't give God that 10%, you are a thief. That's, that's God's word. God, God's word calls it the tithe. The, and the tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to God. And then, and, and so uh, many times, many times we feel like we're being super generous because we give our tithe. No, you've just paid God back. If you want to give to God's work, if you want to be generous to God's work, then you give the tithe and then you go over and above that and give to his work. That's what God's word teaches us. In Corinthians, it's, it tells us about a church in Macedonia that, uh, that uh, they were in, in a time of, of affliction and a time of deep poverty, they didn't, they didn't have two nickels to rub together. But somehow they scraped together some, uh, some, some money. Maybe they sold some stuff and, and, uh, and just got rid of some things. That, and, and out of their deep poverty, the Bible says they gave abundantly to the work of the Lord. And God blessed them for it. In Philippians, Paul is addressing that church in Macedonia. And he says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, he, many times we have a tendency to want to take that verse and, and just apply it to everybody and just say, God's going to give us everything we need. That's not the promise. That's not taking that verse in context. It's if you are serving God and you are giving to God's work the way God has told you to, then he promises to provide your needs. He, he promises to supply all your need. Not all your wants, but all your needs. But many times because of our greediness, we don't even give God his tithe. Oh, we may tip, but we're not tithing. We throw in a token but we're not tithing. And if you're not tithing, if you're robbing God, he says you're under a curse. Malachi chapter 3. But if you're obedient in the matter of giving, he says you'll be blessed. He says, prove me. In, in the South, growing up, we'd, we'd, we'd say, double dog dare you. God's saying, hey, Double dog dare me. Just see what I'll do. So each time, each time I, get, I get wages, we write a check to double dog dare God. 
just to see if he's going to bless. And you know what? He does. He blesses every time. It's, it's not that he, that he makes my bank account bulging because that's not how he promised to bless. But he blesses in many different ways. And his blessings are recognized. Hey, if you've, if you've never tried it, let me encourage you. Double dog dare him today. Just see what he'll do. Don't be greedy. Be diligent. Be generous. Then let her see graciousness. Graciousness versus toxicity. You ever met a toxic person? Yeah. There are those that, that you just, they're just, their attitude is just like spewing venom all the time. Anything they have to say, it's negative, it's complaining, it's griping, and you go to talk to them and they're just, rah, just fussing at you. They might not exactly at you, but, but I mean, it's fussing and it's, it's sharp and it's harsh and it's hateful and all the time it's just this and that and just, just toxic. And, and, it's, and it's destroying those relationships. The Bible tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt is that that tears down. It's, uh, corrupt is, is that that breaks down and destroys. So let's not let that kind of communication proceed out of our mouth. Don't say things. Don't say words that are going to tear down. Don't say words that are going to destroy those relationships. Uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Corruption tears down. B- edifying builds up. God says, don't be tearing down with your conversation. Don't be a toxic person. Don't be griping and complaining and fussing and arguing and fighting all the time. Hey, don't be that kind of person, but be the kind of person that's building up with your words, that's encouraging each other and and edifying one another in the Lord. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What is grace going to do? Well, the Bible tells us that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So first of all, grace helps us, helps us know the way to salvation, helps us to be saved. But then it goes on and it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So if we're speaking good things to the use of edifying and it's ministering grace, you know what it's doing? It is serving them to help them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It's teaching them to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do you know you can respond to somebody in a way that teaches them to be godly? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm under conviction. Amen. (laughs) Oh, me. (laughs) Graciousness. Oh, we we need a revival of graciousness in our churches. 
We need a revival of graciousness in our homes and in our relationship. Hey, we need a revival of graciousness on the job. Yeah, I could sure use my employer being more gracious to me. How about you be more gracious to your employer? Amen? Showing that grace and, and giving grace. You know, we're, we're, very, we're very hard on others, but we expect them to be gracious to us. Whenever they mess up, we're critical and we point out everything and we just kind of tear it apart and expose it and tell everybody what they did and show everybody and, and let's just use this as an opportunity for everybody to learn what not to do. But then when we mess up, don't say anything about that. Why'd you have to go and tell people? And we get upset when, they, when they're not gracious to us. Our expectations of them are very high. But we want them to give us grace. We want them to understand that, well, I'm not perfect. When we expect perfection out of them. Grace. Minister grace. Not toxicity. Then, uh, then uh, letter D. Obedience versus self-will. Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He, he, says, he says, grieve not the, the Holy Spirit of God. When we're, when we're in one of those situations where, where somebody has said or done something to us that's wrong, we have a tendency to react in bitterness and anger and clamor and evil speaking. The Bible says, hey, don't do that. Don't grieve the Spirit of God by that kind of reaction. The Holy Spirit, again, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you and, and He's there saying, hey, don't do that. Don't have that reaction. Let's, let's be kind. Let's be gracious. Let's be compassionate. Let's be understanding. Don't react in anger. Don't, don't answer sharply. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Don't do those things. Let's answer with a soft answer. Let's not let corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. So what do we do? How dare you say that to me? And you know what we've done? We've grieved the Spirit of God. Who do you think you are to talk to me like that? Well, who do you think you are that deserves to be talked to anyway? You know what that shows? Pride, self-will. The Bible tells us we're to obey the Spirit of God. But I don't want to be nice to them. I want to do to them as they've done to me. That's not the golden rule. And the golden rule is not he who has the gold makes the rules. Be kind one to another. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's not do to them as they have done unto you, and it's not do unto them and run. It's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How do you want people treating you? 
How do you want people to respond to you? How do you want people to react? I certainly want them to be following the Holy Spirit if they're responding to me. If I expect that of them, who am I to do any less myself? I need to be obedient to the Spirit of God. You need to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And do not let bitterness and and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be a part of your communication. Let that be put away from you with all malice. All malice. We put it away. Bad attitudes. Sour spirit. Harsh words. Hey, let it not once be named among you. And then forgiveness versus bitterness. Let all, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. But that's not how they were talking to me. You're not responsible for how they talk to you. You are responsible for how you talk to them. You know, the Bible tells us that one day we're going to stand before God. We'll just, in our minds, I imagine that this is is where God is seated on the the throne. They're at the, the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to stand before Him. And He's going to ask us why we did what we did. But Lord, I know you know all things, and so, yes, you know how I reacted in that situation. But let's rewind the tape and listen to what they said to me. No, that's not an excuse. That's no justification. You are responsible for you. You're, You're not responsible for them, and they're not responsible for you. There have been times when I've reacted in a wrong way to my sons and even to my wife. And if I were to let that go un, unaddressed, when I stand before God, I'll give an account for that. And the only thing I'll be able to do is just hang my head and say, I'm wrong. Why wait till then to humble yourself and say you're wrong? Why not let's humble ourselves now while we can still have a chance to mend those relationships that that have been strained because of our sin, because of our wrong reactions. Maybe they did wrong. And I'm not justifying what they did. But we're not responsible for them. We're only responsible for ourselves. Moms and dads, you have a responsibility to train your children. They have a responsibility to obey. But even if they disobey, you have a responsibility to correct them in a right way. Not in anger. Not in bitterness. You don't ever do what I tell you to do. It's wrong. 
We're to correct them in a right way. Husbands and wives, you're, you have a responsibility to respond to each other in a right way. The Bible tells us that the, the relationship of Christ and, of, of the husband and wife is a picture of that of Christ and the church. We are to respond to each other in that way. Forgiving. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Don't harden your heart. If, if today you, you recognize that, that you've, you've hardened your heart towards someone or, or you've hardened your heart in a situation, hey, let's ask God to help us and tenderize that heart. Hey, the Bible tells us that His Word is, is like a fire and that fire can warm the cold heart. It can melt the icy heart. His, his, heart, uh, his, his Word is like a sword that can pierce and, and it can cut away those calluses on that heart. His Word is like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces and I'm sure that he can take it and tenderize that tough heart. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We have a responsibility to not just do good to each other, but to forgive. What are we, what are we supposed to forgive? Everything. Everything. How many times are we supposed to forgive? Every time. See, he says, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Christ's forgiveness was unconditional. Christ's forgiveness is everlasting. Christ's forgiveness is for everyone. Luke 17, 4, if he trespassed against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turned again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. In another place, Jesus says, I'll tell you, not just till seven times, but till 70 times seven. What he's saying here is, I want you to be in such a habit of, of, of forgiving that you just forgive all the time. You forgive everything. We saw a couple of weeks ago that what we are at home is what we really are. And last week we talked about how that we're not just... We're not saved just part of the time, we're, and so we must not be part-time Christians. And today, takeaway number three, I want us to see that what is in us is what comes out. If we're Christians, if we're a Christian in our home, if we're endeavoring to have a Christian home, then what, uh, we need to recognize that what is in you is what's going to come out. So, let me ask, what spills out of you? If I had a, if I had a cup and, and, uh, and I was walking along and, and walked out these doors and somebody's coming walking by and they bumped into me and coffee spilled out of that cup, it would be a, it'd be a surprise to nobody that knows me. Because I, I, I'm drinking coffee just about all the time. 
I need to figure out how to have a, something around here so I can get a sip of coffee every once in a while. Uh, but I, but if, I had a, if I had a glass and it was filled with a clear liquid, if, it, if, it was, if, it was, if you look at it and it's, and it's filled with water, and, and that glass got turned over, we would not be surprised when water spills out of it. But if you go to your house and, and, and you, get a, you get down a cup and you reach in the refrigerator and you pull out the, the milk jug and you take off the lid and you begin pouring it out and you fill your glass with milk and, and then you put the lid back on the milk jug and, and, and you turn to go put it back in the refrigerator and you knock that glass over and orange juice spills out, you'd be very surprised, wouldn't you? Because orange juice is not what was in the glass. Milk is what was in the glass. What is in you is what is going to come out when you're bumped. So what spills out of you? What spills out of you? Is it complacency? Is it greediness? Is it toxicity? Self-will? bitterness all of these are responses of a person who is wrapped up in themselves a very prideful person it's not the mind of Christ you've not so learned Christ let's respond with diligence generosity graciousness obedience and forgiveness even as God for Christ's sake Lord Jesus I want to thank you and praise you for all that you're doing for what you've done Lord help us help us to realize that a Christian home is one where each member strives to love and live just like Jesus help us Lord to humble ourselves before you Help us to respond in those areas where you've dealt with us today. Help us to respond in a right way to you. And then, Lord, as circumstances and situations of life arise, maybe difficulties, help us to respond in a right way to others so that Christ is seen. Lord, maybe there's some here today that that do not know you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they, they would say, I'd, I'd love to reflect Christ, but I, I don't know Him. Maybe they've heard about Him. Maybe they know some stories about Him. But Lord, maybe, they never have had a, maybe they've never had a personal relationship with You. I pray that today will be the day when they come to You in faith and repentance and trust You as their Savior. Thank you that you've given us the promise that him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Lord, I'm grateful that, that we, can, uh, we can serve you and we can live for you and we can, we can uh, commune with you, have fellowship with you. I'm grateful that one day we're going to see you face to face and spend eternity with you. I pray that each one of us will make sure today that we make the decisions that we'll be glad that we did when we stand before you. Help us, to hum- help us to humble ourselves 
And, the, and those that need to receive your gift of eternal life, I pray they'll do that today. Those who have received eternal life but they've not lived to reflect Christ, I pray that they'll, uh, they'll humble themselves and confess that and get their lives right with you today. But most of all, we just want to glorify you and have homes and lives that reflect Jesus Christ. Help us to love and live just like Jesus. It's in that precious name we pray. Amen.